This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the All You Can Heat On Air podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Jack Simone and Kenneth Wilson. Welcome back. Another episode of the All You Can Heat On Air podcast. Kenneth and I here recording Wednesday, October 20th. Preseason is over. Regular season is right around the corner. Actually, as we're recording this tomorrow, when you guys are hearing it, uh, t- today, I guess, which is crazy. But uh, before we get into a little bit of a preview of that game and I guess the season as a whole, the Miami Heat released their Exhibit 10 guys, Micah Potter, Javante Smart, Drew Smith, DJ Stewart. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on a previous episode, but now that it is officially done, uh, Kenneth, you expecting them to be on the G League team? Do you think that's the play? Uh, it has to be, right? I mean, if you look at the way that they performed during the preseason, if you look at the type of talent that those guys showed that they have and how that maybe could shake out in the future for the Miami Heat, or dare I say, if there's an injury, you need depth or something like that, um, even in this type of situation, you you have to hope that you can keep them there. But I guess that's a part of the conversation today. And that's the question I guess I would ask you is, can they keep them there? I don't know, man. They're real good. I think Drew Smith and DJ Stewart would probably fit well on the G League team for the whole season. I'm higher on Drew Smith than DJ Stewart. I don't know if you're the opposite, but I, I like the way Drew Smith has looked. Keeping Micah Potter and Javante Smart in the G League playing for that team full time seems like a not a dream, but like it, it seems far fetched. You know what I'm saying? They're both so talented. They could both play a pretty big role on another team. The question is what teams would come out of the woodwork to sign them? Because at this point, most of the roster spots are filled. The regular season has officially started, right? You had opening night, uh, Nets, Bucks, Lakers, Warriors. So rosters are finalized pretty much. Do you see a team adding them to their roster, you know, at some point during the season? Or do you think if it happened or if it would have happened, it would have happened by now? It's tough to say exactly what can happen without knowing exactly the two-way situations of every team in the league. And then, of course, the volatility of injury and all that different type of stuff, man. Um, You just don't know. However, I could see this. If there are two-way – and, again, I want to dig more into the two-way situation at this moment. I think you've already supposed to dictate your two-way guys, um, so they may be safe there. But if there was a team that, you know, has a roster spot open and wants to find a way to get their hands on one of those guys or anything like that, then, you know, you're definitely talking about a situation where the Heat will be threatening. Now, I offer this information that really helps support the case. When you look at Javante Smart, he's the last guard on your bench type of guy right now. He could be the last guard on your bench now because he can hit a shot. He'll give you the effort on defense, and he's shown you that he doesn't mind going in for a little contact. He isn't afraid of the big moment. Um, I talked about that, how he hunted the big moment, actually, in the Charlotte game, preseason Charlotte game, of course. Now, when you look at Potter, Potter might be a rotational guy right now because of the way he can rebound the ball. Which is crazy. That's crazy like the the Like, his rebounding is a special ability, it seems. And I mean, it's preseason, so you don't want to overreact to that. But, like, the man routinely grabbed 15-plus boards. 
Yeah, no, he he looked incredible. And he can hit the shot, which is huge in today's NBA. You got to be able to hit threes. And if you can do that and rebound, and uh, I guess the defense is a little shaky, you could say, but he's he, he's working on it. Um, he, he could play in a rotation, obviously, probably for a rebuilding team. But there are only two open two-way spots around the league left. Uh, the Phoenix Suns and Orlando Magic have spots. I think Micah Potter would fit in really well in Orlando. Obviously, I'm not going to go ahead and pigeonhole them to certain spots. But like, if you think about that Orlando roster, right, you got Wendell Carter, Mo Bomb at the center. Obviously, Michael Potter is a 4-5. You run him at the 4 next to one of those guys. He can space the floor, help with rebounding if they want to go out and stretch the floor. I mean, it's a long shot, right? It's likely that since there are so few two-way spots, they'll just spend time in the G League with, you know, uh, the Heat's team. But I, I think that would be a fine spot. I guess the Suns could use another guard. I don't know. Those are the only spots left, though. So chances are good that the Heat will at least get to keep them in the G League for a season. I mean, you make a good point, man. But when you start talking about a team like Orlando, one of those teams like that that are supposed to be at the bottom this year, you're talking about a situation where, hell, they might even pull him up to the regular roster if they like him enough just to see what he has. So there's <laughs> yeah. always a threat of something like that, too. But but those two teams are interesting. Um, without and – and I'm the king of hypotheticals here. This is a hypothetical of all hypotheticals. Not that it's the grandest one, but it's a pretty big one. With the DeAndre Aiden situation, you know, Phoenix might be looking to develop another big or two. So <laughs> I'm just saying, and he's one that doesn't mind shooting the three and he can hit the boards with Booker and, you know, everything else they're going to have around there, Bridges, CP3. You know, who to say, who's to say they need a big that's going to want to touch the rock 10 times a game? Yeah, and this isn't heat talk, but we'd be silly not to bring it up. How are they not extending DeAndre Aiden after what he did in the playoffs last year? Am I crazy, or does that seem like they're just fumbling the bag super hard in that situation? Here's the thing. You're right. Let's put that out there first. You're right. That's You can't not sign him, but it's procedural. It's not like, it's not like the Booker move. It's more like the CP3 move than anything. CP3 is still a great player. Don't get me wrong. But it was a situation with CP3. It's like, okay, we're not getting the best player in his peak years with this deal. But this is the thing we have to do because he's still great. And he's the thing that helps make our team great. So that's the move. And that's the way you had to play it with Aiden. Whereas they can make a case that, hey, we think we could go find better. And it, it's it's weird to say that after seeing this performance last year, man, in the playoffs and the finals and all that, but you can see them saying that, but I agree with you. And, and they're totally wrong and seemingly silly not to re-sign him because it's procedural. It doesn't matter if you can go find what you perceive to be better because he's good enough and he's what make your team great. And you've seen that. I agree. And, and the way I view the Suns, at least, and I'm not a GM or any expert in that side of things, but you got Chris Paul for the now, like you said. You got Booker and Aiden. If you sign them both to max extensions, you have them developing, getting better for the foreseeable future. And that's just the game plan of your entire roster. And fun fact for you, to make matters worse, the only two first-round picks in the last 10 or so years to not get an extension after the rookie deal DeAndre Ayton and Anthony Bennett. Like, 
he, there's no reason for DeAndre Ayton to be in the conversation, any conversation with a guy like Anthony Bennett. Like, that's just disrespectful. So that's crazy to think about. A couple of things. Anthony Bennett is starring in Israel right now. Um, Good for him. Good for him. I hope he does well. <laughs> catching, hey, catching lobs from the prime minister, man. Uh, I saw that on Twitter, by the way, somewhere. <laughs> Secondly, they also have Bridges in Phoenix. They just signed Bridges. Now, they got him for less than 100. You would think that getting him cheap, quote fingers, would be more, you know, of an inclination or, or push you towards getting Aiden locked up. I, I, for lack of better terms, it's a bag of poo over there right now. That's a neat word for, you know, an <laughs> S-show. So, um, I mean, we're going to see how it all shakes out, but you, you made a very good point. With that thought, though, Anthony Bennett and Aiden being the only two guys on that list, is Aiden there for the long haul? I don't know. Because there's, you know there's going to be teams offering him a max contract at the end of the season. Like, there has to be. Cause Phoenix can double back and do it. Exactly. They can match any offer, too, because he's restricted. But the, right. the offers are going to be there, which is the scary thing for Phoenix. So. But that's stupid, play. though. Like, you could have locked yourself into – anyway. Whatever. Exactly. Whatever. I agree. Whatever. And, and just to do a quick a quick skim around the league, other guys not to receive a contract extension off the top of my head, um, I don't think Colin Sexton did, and I don't think Miles Bridges did. And those are the two biggest right. names that I can think of. Uh, any surprises Miles there? Or is that just Sexton. normal? No, it, Miles Bridges did surprise me because he's shown to be a player, athletic, strong, tenacious, yep. willing to defend, tough, um, can be, you know, looks like not our culture, of course, but looks like a culture guy where he, you know, does the right thing and encourages guys to do the right thing. Looks like he works hard. Yeah. Um, and he got the jump shot right. He 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 hit he's hitting the jump shot. So you would have thought that they would keep him because he's the type of guy that can run the wings and hit the jump shot. And when you're thinking about LaMelo and you're thinking about PJ Washington, um and those guys and Terry Rozier, he fits. Like, I don't understand. I'll tell you this, depending on what he's asking next year, we, you know, I know a team that might could use him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he improved 33% from three in his sophomore season to 40% last year. Like, that, that's a jump you got to keep around, in my opinion. So um, the, the biggest thing for me, and I, I wrote about this, was DeAndre Ayton going into restricted free agency for the Suns is one thing because you know teams are going to give him the max. So you know at the end of the year, okay, worst case, we just give him the max that we could have extended him for in the first place. With Miles Bridges, his price has a chance to go way up or way down. And I don't think either of that is is great for the Hornets because if it goes way down, that means he didn't play very well. And that means you're not re-signing a very good player. And if he plays really well, he's going to want more than what you probably could have got him for right now. So that seems a lot more risky to me than the DeAndre Ayton thing. And I don't, I don't like it. I think they definitely should have brought him back. Like you said, because the shooting, because of the culture he, he has in Charlotte or he helps with in Charlotte. So but we'll see. I guess a lot of teams are going to be throwing around offers this off season though. I want to touch on your point real quick before we move on. I don't think it's more risky because like you said, if, and I hope not because I want him to get his money. Um, I guess I hope not because I don't want Charlotte to be good enough to beat us, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> if he doesn't have a good year and if he ends up having to take a one year or one and one after this, you know, a proven type situation to re re uh, claim his value yep. or to, you know, make his value go up again for lack of better terms, mm -hmm. then they will look right. Right. 
they would look like they made the right choice, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true, right. actually. But, and there's a thing, you mentioned it because there are those two polar opposites with Bridges. Yeah. Aiden can't have a bad year. Aiden's a big man, one. <laughs> two, yeah. he's playing with CP. Three, even if he does fall, he has the leverage of saying, hey, y'all know we got to the finals last year because of what I did, right? Like, Aiden is in a mm-hmm. no-lose situation. His floor is the extension money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's his floor. Yeah, yeah. So I, I disagree on, the, you know, the more riskier, but I, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying it's like, no, you Bridges can have those two sides where Aiden is going to get the floor, which is that extension money, because he's he's – He's a 10 and 10 guy because he's on the court. He has no yeah. t- he's seven foot. You know what I mean? He's athletic. He's 10 and 10 because he's on the court. So that's that's as worse as he's gonna get. But you know. I got you. It, it's so tricky with the rookies nowadays because you either pay them big time for their potential and it, it could either play out well or play out poorly, or you don't pay them at all and you either look foolish or like a genius. Like there's so many pathways like michael porter jr just got a mac like he got so much money and i think he could be good but like that's a lot of money for someone who has played what two solid seasons in the nba with a lot of potential it's just such a dangerous like paying guys like bam out of bio jason tatum like that's obvious right they've shown that they can be an all-star michael porter jr was hurt for half of his first season put up 18 points a game on efficient shooting and he should go mm, yeah max contract I think it'll work out because I like MPJ, but like that's a dangerous game to be playing with someone who hasn't cracked the all-star game yet, right? So even deeper than that, let me let me use your examples. When you say Tatum and Bam, you pay them because they're already elite on one side of the ball. Tatum yep. was an elite offensive player, and Bam has always been an elite defensive all-around everything else player. You said to yourself, look, I'll give them this deal because that's going to be the going rate. If I don't pay to find out, somebody's going to pay to find out. But they already are elite on one side of the ball, and I can depend on him. If he can figure out that defense full-time, he's going to be a top-20 guy. If he can figure out that offense full-time, he's going to be a top-20 guy. Like you said, man, with Porter Jr., that's a total risk. You saw that he could be elite for 50 games last year. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's – I'm yep. – I hate to start calling it this, but I, I see a lot of heat guy comparison. Not you specifically, not here. So I, I've, I've started to call it this. The THT effect. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Would, like, don't. Oh, yeah. Like, you're, you're. Look, come on, man. Come on, guy. What, what has the guy done? <laughs> like, until you're <laughs> guy, go show out on a playoff run into the bubble. Don't go comparing your THTs. And yeah, yeah, Michael Porter Jr. and all of that to Tyler Hero. Because don't get me wrong, Porter Jr. is a better player than Tyler Hero right now. But this isn't a cake for Tyler moment. It's just that's the comparison you always hear. You yeah. know what I mean? At least with Hero, he showed you that thing in the playoffs, in the biggest moments. These other guys have showed you stuff on mixtapes and, you know, preseason and Jordan <laughs> Poole's of the world. He had a great game last night. I'll give him that. He did. He had a really good game last night. So... As long as he continues to show you that, then touche, my friend. You get more than a golf clap for me because the hype was real and it's here. But until you've done that more times than you haven't done that or until you've done that on the biggest stage when your team needed it the most, don't do that. Don't do that. Did THC play last night, by the way? I don't even know. Uh, I, I can go check the box score. but like He didn't play, but who cares? 
<laughs> the thing with THD is I think the Lakers were just so desperate to keep any semblance of youth on that old team that they just gave him way too much money. I don't get the hype behind THD, and this is a whole nother conversation, but like, why? Right? Why? He can't, can he shoot? Like, I don't think so. He's athletic. Good. Everyone in the NBA is athletic. They're in the NBA. It's just, I understand what he does. I understand he can score the ball, but giving him that much money for, like you said, someone who has literally done nothing in his NBA career is just, you know what it is? It's a very Lakers move because they can afford to do it. So why not do it? Because they're already a great team. So I guess good, good for the Lakers, right? Whatever. But now with that being said, you asked a very important question um, to move back to the topic and this all yep. took us off on the topic of the exhibit <laughs> 10 guys with the heat and extensions. And I guess, you know, when you look at the way that the league has moved these guys like this that you can get for cheap or less than nothing when you're talking about money moves are the type of guys that go in to help making title teams. Heck, I guess that's why we're so engulfed in the topic when it comes to the Miami Heat. Because Pat Riley has said recently in the last few days that he does believe this team has a shot, so he wouldn't mind spending to go yep. into the tax. So while we're there and on money, don't don't be confused. Pat Riley will spend the dollars if it means a ring this year. But I ask you this: speaking of Pat Riley, the Heat, the front office, Andy Ellisberg, all those guys, did they make the wrong decision with the two-way guys? Because you asked this question, I'm only asking you to give you a chance to express yourself. Yeah, this is something. I know I wrote an article about. Go check out everyone's articles. Mine, Kenneth's, uh, all, all the writers, allyoucanheat.com, by the way. Uh, shameless plug. Did they pick the right no two-way guys? No such thing as a shameless plug. I've <laughs> learned that. There's no such thing. We have the airwaves, my friend. Sorry, it, I didn't mean to cut you off. But that was important. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you got to do what you got to do. But the two-way guys. Right now, Marcus Garrett, Caleb Martin. I also cover the Hornets, so I've watched Caleb Martin. I like both the Martin guys. I like Marcus Garrett, obviously. If you watched Summer League, how could you not like Marcus Garrett? What I have to assume, and as I, I think you've made this point to me, whether it was on air or just over text or whatever, Marcus Garrett didn't get a lot of playing time in the regular se- in the preseason, sorry. Probably because they want they know what they have in him and they're going to play him for those 50 games in the regular season. So they might as well give other guys run. And if that's the case, and Obviously, the Miami Heat are a great judge of character, a great judge of talent. They've proven that over the years. Then I don't see an issue with Marcus Garrett, right? Because he played great in preseason. You saw what you had, and they pounced on it. And the thing there is you sign Marcus Garrett or Javante Smart because you don't want two guards as your two ways. That just, I I mean, that doesn't make a ton of sense. So I I don't think Javante Smart necessarily made sense because you already had Garrett. Caleb Martin versus Micah Potter is definitely a more debatable question. Because on the one hand, like you've said before, you've got good big man depth, right? You've got Yurtsevin, you've got Deadman, obviously out of bio, and then you have Tucker and Markeith at the four as well. Your wing depth is shaky. You have Butler Robinson, who are both starting, and then off the bench, you have an undersized Struce who you could play at the wing, and then Casey Okpala, who has shown potential in the preseason. Um, and so that's where you throw in... Don't you dare call Big Max undersized. He plays like <laughs> a brother to 7-2, okay? No, he does, he does. I, I get it, I get it. He no, is, yeah. but he's one of those swing guys that I worry about because of that. I didn't want to cut you off, but you make a good point with the mm-hmm. size, and that's the only thing that bothers me. His shooting will give him a chance on offense, but will he be able to hold up against the pounding he'll take against the bigger twos and threes? Exactly. And so that's where you have Caleb Martin, but if he can only play for those 54 games, which obviously is a big chunk of the season, so that's a good thing, 
then would it be worth it just to sign Micah Potter, who I would argue has more potential to play for the team in the long run? Because as good as Caleb Martin is, I think you've seen what you can see from him on the team. He's he's a he's a decent shooter, but inconsistent. He brings the energy. He plays solid all around. But if you develop Micah Potter right, I don't see any reason he can't be a stretch four five who can, like you said, rebound the heck out of the ball uh, and do all those little things. And ideally, you you know, throw him in the gym with Bam a little bit. You throw him in with some of these guys, make him a respectable defender in the post and on the perimeter. He doesn't have to be elite like guys like that. You can't teach elite defense. You can, Some things you just got to have. I think he probably has more potential to play for the team long term than Caleb Martin. So I would say I might have rather had Micah Potter. But for this season specifically, the decision to go with Martin makes sense. And maybe that's why maybe that's why they're just going to throw him in the G League and have a plan to keep him around long term. So to take on all of that, you're not wrong in any of that. The way you thought it out was beautifully because at the end you summed it up and you can see it. Nobody else can, but you can validate it. You saw me nod <laughs> vigorously. Yeah. Um, it's it's just specifically about this season. And knowing that he, and maybe I'm romanticizing a little bit, but knowing the way they move because I studied it, because I covered it, because they're my team, they're always looking ahead. Here's the thing. Even if, and I'll give you an example. If you look at the way Tyler Harrow's money structure should come in with his extension, in the way in the way the Cal Lori's deal is structured, you should see a pattern. Do you see what I'm saying? So they're always yep. looking ahead the way they move. When you think about Martin and Garrett, they're guys who you don't mind taking a shot and who in your reserve unit might could do a couple of things for you to help you create if you get stagnant. And I noticed this about Martin. He doesn't mind creating out at top. And we saw Garrett do a little bit of everything in the summer league. So not that he'll do a ton of it, but you saw that he has the ability to be able to do it. For a team with a philosophy like the Miami Heat, they want to play positionless and multiple and ball and man movement. And particularly for this team this year with what they already have. And like you said, Damon, Morris, Tucker, Yurtsevin, if you get him some minutes, and of course, Bam. And you can even throw KZ Akpala into that multiple group because there'll be times where you might want him to match up with a four or five. Um, don't tell he Twitter that though. Um, there might be times where you want him to match up with a four or five, so you could even throw him into that mix. But they need what those wings for this team and what they think they can do a little more than they need what Potter and what Smart can bring. Now. I hope it's Deadman that they keep because I like Deadman and I like what he brings. He's the type of guy where as a big, even as he gets older, what he does will still be effective because he does what he does just through carelessness. He ages so well. He'll age so well, yeah. Right, because he's just, his game has always been an old man game. I'm going to out-crap you. I'm going to (laughs) out-work you. I'm going to out-trash talk you. And I'm going to let you know that this matters to me more than it matters to you, young man. You know what I mean? So I think he should be the one. But when you look at Morris, maybe Morris isn't there next year. And then you can have Potter step right into that role. Yep. Um, I hope Gabe continues to develop. But you look at him or you look at another guy on that roster. I don't know who that other guy is. and Unfortunately, it's probably Gabe. You look at a guy like Gabe, and, you know, I've been high on Javante Smart for a long time, even before we – I always knew Garrett would be one of the guys. You knew Garrett would be one of the guys. And we wanted 
Dejan Giroux, shout out to Deke in Indiana. <laughs> we wanted him to be the other guy before they came yeah. in and gave him the situation that they gave him. But, you know, I've always been high on Smart because you could see it throughout the NCAA late situation last year, how his leadership and his, his stoicness was something that not only was pro-ready and something that a pro team could use, but you could develop that and see him become some greater. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. He has a lot of Chauncey Billups in him. He gives me big-time Chauncey Billups vibe. Not overly athletic, knows how to use what he has, can hit a jump shot, can handle, will find the open teammate, and isn't afraid. That's the key thing. He's not afraid. Big shot Chauncey Billups. Yeah. I mean, he's not afraid. So I, I think that the situation is set up with the way that the Heat operate, that if they can hold them, of course, that's the key. Will you be able to keep them in Sioux Falls? The Sioux Falls All-Stars is what I like to call them. Will you be able to keep them in Sioux Falls? And if you can, the situation is set up for specifically Potter and Smart to walk right into those Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent type deals next year. Yeah. What you said is framing it perfectly. The Miami Heat always look ahead. You look at, they signed Omer Yurtsevin last year to this tiny little deal to give him their rights, and now he's one of the, Just you to know, keep him on the roster. You exactly. can't have him. We not going to play him, but you can't get it. Yep. Same thing with Max Struess, right? I mean, I, I know the pain of Max Struess because the Celtics chose Javante Green over Max Struess a couple years ago, which in hindsight is sad, but it's fine. And look at him. Look Here's, at Max Struess now. So listen, I got to say this. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Woo's from my hometown. I know the guy. Javante I love Javante. I'm not, I'm not crap. I love him. I so love I'm him. not, so yeah, I got to take his side because there's a personal thing there. Um, yeah. Secondly, though, I will say this. <laughs> if you're looking at it in the time span where they had to choose, yeah, it's not 100%. hard to see why they went because you look at what Woo offers you, Javante Green. I'm sorry, I call yep. him what everybody calls him from home. Um, you look at Javante Green, and the explosiveness that you see, that yep. tantalizes. You say, look, man, if we get him enough reps, he'll be able to hit that shot. Because you didn't know that Max had some of that same explosiveness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, You just definitely. see it sooner with Javante Green. You see it sooner. As soon as he steps on the court, you see it. Whereas Max has to kind of get in his mode, hit you with an irky jerk, and then you see him go to the cup, and he finger rolls it like the Iceman, like he did in the preseason game the other day. Oh, of course you saw it. It was against you guys. My bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you yeah. know, he hits you with one of those, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe this guy. So, no, that's a it's a mistake. But I'll tell you this. I said, I'll tell you this. I'm glad you did it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you must be glad we did it because <laughs> you know, that was true. And like I said, hindsight's always 2020. It, it is just you can never know until the future. And in those preseason games, like you said, where they did have to decide, smart. I mean, sorry, Green, Javante Green, looked like the better player. I've got it all jumbled up in my head now. Javante Smart, Javante Green, Marcus Smart. It's all it's all right, wrapping right. into one. It's, it's all running together. It's all running but, together. But yeah, yeah man. Um, I think that's going to be – it's going to be an interesting situation to watch. But like I said, man, I don't think you asked the wrong questions because they were worth asking. And we may run into a situation where we're like, ah, what's with the cat Potter? What's with the cat Smart? But you have to trust the Miami Heat because this is the way they operate. Look at Kendrick Nunn and what the Lakers think they're going to get in Kendrick Nunn. Look at yep. the other players that 
Look at Josh Richardson, a guy that we took in the second round. And then, mm -hmm. like we talked about in pre-show, um, he's being more aggressive for you guys, as aggressive as he's been since leaving Miami. Look so, at Precious. Shout out Precious Chew in the preseason. He looks great. He looks absolutely. great. Absolutely. I mean, and and that's something that I touched on yesterday too. And not to go too far on top before we finally get to the preview of Thursday's game. Um, Drive got a comment basically alluding to how Precious wasn't perhaps wasn't used right in Miami. Now, I don't think that was a shot at Miami as much as it was they thought he was something or they could make him into something that he didn't want to be. He showed you that he had those things in college to come in into that band Mo. And of course, I've written about this at allyoucanheat.com. Check us out, me, Jack, and all the guys. That's how you do a plug, Jack. It ain't shameless. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, alluding to the fact that Precious had the ability to be a BAM type, an athletic, big-ish type of mobile big with defensive effort, made of the right stuff, willing to work. He just didn't see himself as that same type of guy. Whereas BAM wanted to play, wants to play big, but incorporate the perimeter stuff on both sides, from the guarding of the guards, to the shooting the jump shot, to the handling, to the playmaking. Precious is capable, but Precious wants to be Kawhi Leonard. He wants to do the thing where he plays on the perimeter, but takes those skills that he learned as a big-ish type player, a la Kawhi Leonard when he was in college, and apply that to become an elite perimeter player. And that looks to be what he's showing in Toronto. So I think that's what that situation is. But him too, you make a good point. For sure, for sure. And we are going to preview the game, I promise. But there's just one small little thing I need to ask you. And it's not heat-related, but it's very important. I just I just want to take a moment to laugh at the 76ers once again. Because I, just when I thought the situation couldn't get any worse, Ben Simmons gets kicked out of practice by Doc Rivers. And it's just like, what's going on, right? And it, right now it's a battle of who can take up the most media attention, Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn or Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. And somehow, despite the Nets losing last night when realistically they might have won the game, if Kyrie Irving was there, you have a third superstar. Somehow Ben Simmons is winning that battle and taking more of the media attention. Like, I don't know how this you plays out. Like, what? You told a lie, Jack. This is all heat related. This yeah, I is mean, all heat related. Yeah, you want to spin it right there. Everybody, everybody that wants to win in the East has a stake in these stories. Um, <laughs> yep. First of all, from a general perspective, man, it's nuts. It's it's crazy. Nuts. Like it's going to a place, and I hate to say this, the league may have to step in. Yeah really and that's that's wild that never happens and it's it's that bad right like, it's genuinely well, unless you're Chris bad. Paul and the Lakers but you know what I mean <laughs> the league yeah. man, you know what I'm saying like it's Chris Paul and the Lakers no 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 you can't do that but you know what I mean other than yeah. that then we you know what I mean we rarely see that so I I don't know where this thing is going to end up and that's the thing it's that's the thing that has me like grabbing for popcorn and like, you know, biting my nails at the same time. It's like, whoa, I don't know if I like this situation. I don't think this will ever happen with the heat. So that's the thing that I do have faith in. Yes. This will never happen in that organization. But it does just make you wonder like, wow, can situations really get this bad? But at the same time, you know, we're grabbing popcorn because we never know when the next 
you know what I mean? Sham's report, Woe's report is going to drop that. Because there, there were some wild rumors out. I'm not going to repeat any of that because I'm not going to, I'm no, I'm no, I'm not going to traffic in that, <laughs> in that type of currency. Yeah. However, there was some wild stuff out there about what occurred after he was kicked out of practice. Yeah, it, it's all crazy. And like you said, I like usually when drama happens, you can kind of say, okay, this will happen or this will happen. I just, you don't know right now because it, it's that much uncharted territory because you've seen players get kicked out of practice, whatever. Pascal Siakam got benched for complaining in a game last year, whatever. It smoothed over. I don't see this being resolved anytime soon. And I, I think what it could unfortunately turn into, because as much as you can dislike Ben Simmons as like, a personality or whatever he's he's a really good basketball player especially on the defensive end i don't think he's gonna play this season I, and i think he'll try to play with the 76ers for a couple games they're gonna suspend him over and over again because he's not gonna try he's not gonna have a good attitude because you saw the pictures of him at practice but i also don't think they're gonna trade him because if you see this from an outside perspective who wants this on their team no one wants ben simmons on their team because of what he's doing right now one thing is, if he does stay, I agree. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. Oh, my God. It's going to be glorious for Miami, though. <laughs> oh, it's um, so, it's going to be great to we, watch. We, great TV. We, oh, absolutely. <laughs> we love beating up on the Sixers. Oh, let's kick them while they down. Oh, chef's kiss. That's what I just Celtics did, fans and Heat um, fans can come together on that one. Trust me. We... <laughs> wait a minute. Don't you do that. But I think you might have a point. We might yep. can come together on that one small point. The one thing. The one thing. Paul Pierce be donned. Anyway, <laughs> um, so when you look at the situation, I don't think he can, like, if you're Philadelphia, you have to move. You have to trade him. And that's why to. I started by saying, if he's there, then you're right. But I don't think he's there. And, and about the value, you can't care about that at this point. You know you're not going to get a dollar on a dollar. You know Do you you're know what not going to get is? that because everybody has watched it. I think the trade right now is – I think it stoops so low that you trade him for Buddy Heald and another player who is apparently not having a good time with his organization, Marvin Bagley, which is wild that he's not in the rotation, by the way. That's some more news. So I think that's well, what who his value I... has stooped to. See, and this is the thing. We set ourselves up by saying that we were going to preview the game because we, there are so many more topics that we can get into. <laughs> and we're still going to preview the game, people. We're just joshing around Promise. and we're going to get there. But – um. Two things, and I won't go too far off on that either. Who does that say more about, Sacramento or Marvin Bagley? But then, you know, there's also the situation where Marvin Bagley has maybe been tied to the Heat and, you know, them maybe have an interest <laughs> if there's something to go on there. Who knows? Um, but if you're Philly, yeah, that Marvin Bagley, Buddy Hill combination is something you're going to have to take a look at. But you're going to you're gonna have to get a pick in one of those guards too, man. You're gonna if if you do that, you're gonna have yeah. to get a pick at one of those guards. And yeah, they're yeah. not and like you said, we've talked right, we've talked about it. They're not giving up Fox. So you're I'll put it to you like this. You give me a pick in Mitchell, or you give me Hill, Bagley, and Halliburton. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's less value than what you wanted to originally get back from Simmons because Right, but you, you, know, you know what the funny part is though? Up I, so far against the corner. I think it makes them better because I think having those players on the Sixers is better than having Ben Simmons on the Sixers right now, just purely because I don't think he wants to be there and he's not going to be, you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? So, yeah. Well, it's just, it's, 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 a, it's a something over nothing. It's just a something over exactly. nothing argument in that situation. Exactly. 
exactly yeah yeah but um we can, we can finally get into previewing the game a little now we we've danced around it absolutely absolutely but yeah, the Miami Heat opened their season up tomorrow when we're recording this today. Like I said at the start of the episode, when you guys are listening to this, they played the Milwaukee Bucks, who did have their first game of the season on opening night uh, against the Nets. They took home a win. Um, like we mentioned when we were talking about Kyrie Irving, they probably deserve to win the game. They obviously deserve to win the game because they won the game. And it's as simple as that. But Kyrie Irving was there. Different story, blah, blah, blah. Narratives, narratives. Uh, the point is, Milwaukee Bucks got a win. The Miami Heat are looking to take them down. This is probably one of the best rivalries in the NBA, or turning into one of the best rivalries in the NBA. You think about it, Milwaukee has played Miami in the postseason for the past two years. Obviously, Heat fans know the story well. Uh, got the dub the first year, uh, took it out the next year. We don't have to talk about that. Sorry to put you guys through the pain again, but... Heat versus Bucks is the perfect way to open the season for the Heat. So what are you looking for in that first game just to set the tone? First of all, you enjoyed that too much. <laughs> I don't like hey, the fact that you hey. sounded very happy. You sounded very, 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 very happy over there talking about our pain and our agony. And I, I don't like it. it. I, I don't like it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had like to it, do man. it. I had to bring it. the storyline. I had to bring up the storyline. No, no, That's the storyline. Sure, yeah, 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 you're just setting yeah. it up. You're just <laughs> fleshing it out for everybody to be reminded of how we were. Anyway, um, listen, man. I think we've talked about it somewhat, and I've alluded to it in pieces. I wrote a piece in the last couple of days titled "Why." Well, not I won't give you. I can't say that I'm quoting the headline directly, but essentially. Why Giannis Antetokounmpo's improvements don't scare me as much as they might other teams or as they should. And it's because both, you know, Bam is rebulked and he's got his stream back, but also like Bam in that matchup. Now, while that isn't the point here, I'm using that to frame the whole take of they are as advertised. They're as good as they are supposed to be, as we thought they would be. He's as good as he looked in preseason, and he's in midseason form already. Um, and you always hate to quote some of the things that these guys say because you know that they're the number one TV show for a reason because they're there to entertain, not necessarily be exactly right. But Charles Barkley said something very important. Well, you know, he said something very important last night. Bro, always play hard. When you're as big and as skilled and as tenacious and put together like Giannis is, if you're going to double on that by always playing hard, Bro's going to be tough to beat even when his shots aren't going. So you have to break, make sure that you not only come ready to hit some shots when you're playing the Bucks and Giannis, but you have to come ready to outwork that dude. Now, I will say this. Drew Holiday probably won't be there. So that's, you know, you hate to, you yeah. know, you hate to play them when their guys are injured. You see the somber tone I'm taking. But <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Hair. Turn them into orange juice. Make deer sausage out of them. I love venison. Mm. I mean, Drew Holiday, Coach Bud, as long as Giannis is on the floor, a win is a win is a win. Bingo. I agree. And I think from what you've seen from the Heat in the preseason, they're not going to take it lately. Obviously, if they're playing that hard in the preseason, you know they're going to bring it for the regular season. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they match up with the Bucs. I, I think that's 
what I'm going to look for the most because obviously you take away PJ Tucker from Milwaukee, who if he was still there would probably be a starter for them. Uh, you could argue, <clears throat> and you put him onto the Heat. 100 with a whole who, training camp situation, yeah. he's a starter, especially without who, Bobby Portis right now. Exactly. But who does he guard, right? Because you have so much defensive power, especially when Drew Holiday's not there. And the two key guys you're going to have to guard are Giannis and Middleton. They started um, Grayson Allen last night, too, and Brooke Lopez and uh, Drew, but they'll have to find a replacement for him. Without Dante DiVincenzo, without exactly. Dante DiVincenzo, that's how Grayson Allen. You imagine that maybe they give you a George Hill look? I guess, yeah, that's that's. But the only, yeah, I can I also imagine a situation where they bring in another wing, like Conaday. Dare I, de, right? Or dare I say, Thanasis, yeah. and let Giannis <laughs> operate as the one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it 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 could go either way there, but I'm probably your best option is George Hill. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So who matches up with who then? Who does Tucker guard? Because I, I wrote an article talking about you know Tucker's defensive assignments for the season. I had him projected to guard Middleton because I feel like that'd be the best matchup but then that leaves Jimmy guarding someone like Grayson Allen which is great it gives you a great mismatch but that just seems like a waste of Jimmy's defensive talent I assume Bam's gonna guard Giannis because I I don't know who else you put him on but then who guards Brooke Lopez in the post I know he's not you know New Jersey Nets Brooke Lopez but he can still kill a shorter defender in the post so it, it, it's interesting to see how those matchups play out so what are you projecting or what do you think the Heat will choose to do nothing's Again, bad man, you no bad no, options. No. Absolutely. I like the way, I always like the way you frame stuff because you, you, for some strange reason, and I guess they call it chemistry, um, you, you set me up perfectly for what I want to say. And here, you talk about the fact that there's really no great matchup to use Jimmy on. You don't want to waste his defensive abilities or defensive game from him or whatever. And you think about all that Giannis can do, and then you think about the fact that you have Tucker and you don't really have a pure great matchup for him either. Here's the thing. All three of those guys are going to see time on Giannis. Jimmy, Bam, and PJ. The thing about it is I think you'll get more Bam towards the end of the game in those clutch moments. And then when you talk about a guy like Lopez, who's on one end, yeah, he's going to crash the boards or whatever, but on the offensive end, he's going to find himself in the corner a lot. That's when you can have a guy like PJ or even another wing running out on him just to make sure he doesn't have a good open look to knock down. But when you talk about those three guys and who they're specifically going to guard. It's just about matching up and how things line up at the time, because it's going to always be for me now, one of those three guys. And you may have those, you know, rare situations where Deadman is matched up against Giannis. And while he'll probably get cooked, you like the fact that he can throw that size and physically, he's going to beat him up at the very least. He's going to make him feel it yeah. at the very least. So, you know, and even Marquise in some situations. So there's going to be, but specifically speaking on those three starters, Bam, PJ, and Jimmy, they're all going to, you know, they're all going to find themselves keyly assigned. and All of their key assignments are going to be honest for the night. It's just about where he is on the court and if you're the closest man to him or how you're attacking him at that point. But I think that's the focus there, not about you guarding one particular man as much as all three of us knowing we're going to, be used in combination to stop him and it's about everybody else finding their assignments afterwards because i don't chris middleton's a good player don't get me wrong he's elite at what he does but he doesn't scare me offensively enough where i have to take one of my best defenders and say hey shut him down does that make sense 
Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think you probably focus on that more in the final moments because you can you've seen what Kit, Chris can do uh, in Absolutely. those final seconds. But Absolutely. yeah, well, well, that's a great example though. If you look at that shot, who was gardening? Yeah, no, I, I I see what you mean. So I think it was Duncan Robinson, by the way, Duncan Robinson <laughs> was gardening. Yeah, yeah. I think in theory, um, you could probably have some sort of hybrid switch everything defense. Right. If you get obviously the Bucks are going to do everything possible to get Kyle Lowry or Duncan Robinson on Giannis, they'd be foolish not to. That's just good offense. I think if you have some sort of system where I mean, this is just what switch everything defense is. You rotate Duncan to the corner, bring Jimmy on Giannis when he drives you, stuff like that, because you do have um, I can't think of the word for it, something that not a lot of teams in the NBA have. You have the ability to put three different guys on Giannis and have them be effective. Most teams have zero that you can have Garnas with. And, and you're not going to stop Giannis. You just got to slow him down. The same thing with P.J. Tucker on Kevin Durant last year. But the Heat have three guys who could probably a effectively slow him down. A unique benefit to our roster is what you're yes, saying. Yes, that's, that's a good there one. Go. That's a good one. And I think that's something that the Heat should use to their advantage, which is what I'm saying. Do you see any sort of switch defense working uh, against the Bucks, Or do you think it'll all be stick this guy on Giannis, bring help, repeat? Absolutely. You're saying you did it again, Jack. You're saying exactly what I'm saying. And I think the fact that we have such unique roster construction and you're talking about those three guys in particular, PJ, Jimmy and Bam, you're never going to be able to get the matchup you want. If it was only two of them. Yeah, you can manipulate that and find yourself on Duncan or Kyle. But because it's three of them, one of the guys is always going to be free enough to be able to say, hey, you go here, you go here, because I need to be there for that next rotation because this is what they're trying to do. Because it's three of them, you're never going to be able to get the matchup you want. You might be able to get it one out of every six possessions. And you yeah. probably won't be able to get it then because Spoh's making all the calls. Mm -hmm. And I think you have a unique advantage tonight specifically because there's probably no Drew Holiday. So um, Kyle Lowry can switch over, guard, Grayson Allen. About. Exactly, exactly. And not that Drew Holiday's some offensive mastermind. We saw he shot in the playoffs last year, but he, he's still a guy who can knock down a shot. Yeah, he worries you. He, he can break to. you down by himself, get yeah. to the cup, create easy looks. And to speak to that point where I said, you see it coming in a rotation and you can say, hey, go over here. Let me get this because I'm, I, you know, I need to be next when he makes that move. You don't need to be there to match up with him. I need to be there so that when he gets that matchup, it's me and not you. Without Drew Holiday, that makes that whole process that much easier because you're less worried about the guy you're moving off of killing you in that split second where you're making that move happen. Drew Holiday yeah. is the guy that once he see you move, he's going right behind you to the cup, whether that's <laughs> with the ball, without the ball, from the bench, in the arena, from the parking lot. And it's an easy layup. And then he's probably going to the free throw line too. Yep. 100%. I agree. So, uh, we're running up against the clock a little bit. So I, I want to ask you one final question about the game. What is one thing you want to see from the Miami Heat in the game that will just give you a good feeling for us this season? Obviously, you want to see a win. I, I want a little more specific than that. But what's one thing you can see? I was about Whether it's something from a specific player, whether it's like, oh, great team offense, ball movement, anything. Just Just one thing that you would like to see from the Heat that will give you a positive feeling moving forward 
And obviously, I mean, I, I already feel good about the team, but just one thing that they can do to reassure that feeling that they're going to be, you know, an elite team this year. Oh, you said it, man. Offense. If you can come out and not be stacked, like not go. So I have to frame this. One of our key problems in for a long time, since the big three era probably, has been. And the only reason it didn't happen during the big three era because you had three guys who could go get you one anytime you needed one. Give me the ball and I'll go get you one. Um, the Heat have found themselves at times going stale or stagnant at offense for a long period of time, uh, whether that be on the wrong side of a 15 to two stretch, 18 to two stretch, 18 to one stretch, 12 zero stretch, uh, the wrong side of a big run by the other team, um, the wrong side of a going off type performance by another player. We call them heat killers around here. Um, random scrub heat killers to be specific, but or you find yourself in a situation where in the big moment, whether that be to close a quarter where the momentum is shifted or to close a half where the momentum is shifting, or even in that last couple of clutch minutes where you going back and forth with a team or you need a big bucket to wrap a ball around the game, they found themselves not capable of getting it done or not capable of turning off the faucet or not capable of going out and getting a good look for themselves to say, hey, we're here to give themselves confidence to put a nail or to pop the balloon that is the run of the other team. I mean, they've been unable to do that. So if they're able to come out and fluidly and have a complete offensive game and showing with very few to no offensive lags or points of stagnation, that would show me a lot. And I have complete confidence that they can do that with a guy like Kyle Lord. And even though he hasn't scored a ton in the preseason, the ability to generate offense from anywhere at the drop of a dime whenever he wants to is something that just lets me know I don't need to worry about that. Yeah, my point was offense as well, but more specifically, I just want to see them shoot the ball well. Obviously, three-point shooting has been a struggle for the Heat in years past, and more specifically, just like role players. Obviously, Duncan Robinson uh, is an elite three-point shooter, and I, I wrote about this fact consistently over the summer if you take away robinson's three-point makes and attempts the heat are a bottom three three-point shooting team like and that's not a bad thing right you have an elite shooter obviously you want him shooting the ball but now they have guys like kyle lowry like max Struess, like the way tyler hero shooting in the preseason where you can shoot the ball better from deep even going to like yurtsevin and tucker and morris you have shooters on this team that if they're hitting their shots it'll give you a much better chance to win the game so if they can hit the shots, those three-point shots, against a team as good on defense as the Bucks are, that gives me a ton of confidence for them to be able to hit shots against other teams around the league. So that's what I want to see, at least, uh, tonight. i give you that. I'll counter your point, though. Um, last year, yes, you're right. But in the year prior, the bubble year, they were among the best, yes. if not the yeah. best, three-point shooting team. Now, to your point, Duncan Robinson has a ton to do with that, but that's also why he makes $90 million, people. And I can't stress it enough. There's also something <laughs> else you're hearing. And we won't go that deep into this. But there's talk out there that they might regret the $90 million and that maybe Tyler Hero should be starting over Duncan Robinson. Listen, if the Heat didn't give Duncan Robinson $90 million, somebody would have given it to him. The man shoots yep. 40%. On over eight attempts. You know that's my slogan with Duncan Robinson. 40 on eight. <laughs> 40 good, on eight. It's a great slogan. It's a great He's slogan. It's instant spacing, bro. Like, and if you think about it, 
what Tyler Hero excels at, it clashes with the first unit. You have three guys who need the rock to be their best selves in the first unit already. Yes, they're all capable of being great players without it, but to be who we need them to be at any given moment, they all would be better served with the rock in their hand. Tyler Harrow is also that same dude. Speaking to how the Heat line things up and see things coming, and back to the Tyler Hero money lining up with Kyle Laurie's money, well, when Bam is fully going into his prime, when Jimmy's clearly on the back end, and maybe when Kyle Laurie isn't even there anymore, that also lines up for Tyler to be the main guy with the ball in his hand in the first unit. And yep. Duncan will still be shooting 40 on eight attempts. <laughs> that's that's great no yeah i mean that's that's what you want from tyler hero and that's the projection right him and bam and then have an elite shooter because shooting doesn't age right you're still hypothetically obviously like you're going to be a great shooter because those are the mechanics it, it has nothing to do with with athleticism so you'll be able to shoot into your 30s which Ray is Allen exactly was like 46 when he hit the shot for us. like <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah rebound exactly. bosh out to allen bang from a 46 year old ray i mean it's to speak to your point, though, man, we have a ton of shooting on this roster this year. I think a ton of applicable shooting is the word because some of those guys have been there. When you look at Max Struess, when you look at Tyler Hero, even when you look at Gabe Benson and his returning shot, um, some of those guys have been there. But I think that this year, specifically Tyler Hero, he's going to be more confident and able to hit that range shot. You look at a guy like Max Struess, he's going to get more opportunity to show that he can hit that range shot. Even Denman, and he shot quite a few in the preseason, and they haven't really gone down, but you like the way they look coming off his hand. It's not one of those things It's like, ah, I don't really want him shooting that shot. I want him taking one or two a game because eventually he's going to get to 33%. So I think that with the roster they have, the shooting and the spacing won't be a problem this year. And even if you look at a guy like Jimmy Butler, who's taken more shots thus far in the preseason than he took all of last season, Again, from range, that is. Again, it's the preseason, and we need to see it happen in the regular year, but I have faith that he and the rest of the team will, you know, get back to their three-point shooting ways that we've seen them do, you know, at their best. And not necessarily saying that they'll get back to peak performance, but they'll get back to a on-par level that we expect from them as an entity and individual individual players. I agree. I agree. I think the spacing will be a lot better this year. I think the offense with Lowry will be a lot better this year. And hopefully we see that in the first game. But um, that wraps up all I had about the preview. So we can get out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Jack Simone MBA. I'm on Instagram at Jack T. Simone. Still have not posted there, but maybe we'll get going. Uh, read oh, all the articles. My oh, my Lord, Jack. <laughs> what, what are we doing, guy? What are we doing? Uh, I don't know, man. We'll see. Uh, can we follow get a all you can post? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe if we'll the sprinkle in. win tonight, just post the score. <laughs> I think I posted a Red Sox story the other day, so I'll give you that. Okay. Shout out the Sox. A little 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 content there, but uh, make sure to follow All You Can Heat on Twitter as well. All You Can Heat one. Uh, and yeah, Kenneth, go ahead. Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at K said K. That's K underscore said S A I D underscore K Q U E. Again, K underscore said underscore K on Twitter. And on Instagram, you can find me at I am K Serious. That's the letter I A M M 
K, the letter Cirrus, C-I-R-R-U-S. Again, I am K Cirrus on Instagram. You can follow me there. Go check out all of our writing at allyoucaneat.com. Make sure you check out the podcast. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell your best friend. Tell your not-so-best friend. Tell your brother, your sister. Tell anybody, man. Give the podcast a five-star review. Give it, you know, everything that you can because that's why we're here. We appreciate it. We just want you to appreciate (laughs) what we do because we love doing it for you. Could not have said it better myself. Thank you guys all for listening. See you guys next time. Peace.